I'm Hunter. And I'm Clay, and you're listening to episode five of The Good Fight. Kicking things off today, we're going to talk about some NFL news. In particular, we have some huge contracts that were handed out in the past week. Obviously, most of us in Wisconsin are going to be familiar with Aaron Rodgers' new deal, making him the highest-paid player in NFL history. His contract gives him $33.5 million per year in new money, but on average, over the course of six years, he's going to be pulling in close to $30 million, and his cap hit will escalate to a peak of $35 million in five years from now. But for the most part, it is kind of what we expected as far as a cap hit goes. And aside from him, we had two monster defensive contracts handed out. Yeah, so Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald uh, agrees to a six-year extension worth $135 million. $87 million of that is guaranteed. Again, a lot of people have been watching Donald. He's been on holdout waiting for this contract, feels he's earned it, did not participate in training camp, waiting for this contract. So with the Rams, with all their offseason moves and building up that huge defense and trying to get some more pieces around Goff and that firepower offense, huge to get Donald there and I think he's worth the price but that's definitely a uh, huge salary cap hit for them and aside from that we did have Khalil Mack obviously we talked about that in our last episode about whether or not the Packers should make a deal for Mack in the end if you didn't hear Mack got dealt to the Chicago Bears they traded two first round picks and uh, another pick in the draft for Khalil Mack and a second round pick the Packers did have an offer in that was reported that they offered their two first round picks next year the Raiders went with Chicago because they thought the Bears' picks would be higher. Kind of a little bit of a burn to the Bears, so we're happy about that. But unfortunately, we do have to face Khalil Mack twice a year now, and he signed a five-year extension with the Bears. So he's under contract there for six seasons now, and his contract pays him $23.5 million per year in new money, making him the highest-paid defensive player in NFL history. Yeah, and I think, you know, Slap in the face of the Bears, like you said. Obviously, the Packers are going to have the 32nd pick overall this year in the draft after a Super Bowl win, and the Bears more than likely will have a top five. So makes sense from the Raiders' perspective to go to the Bears. Not super excited about having to play Khalil Mack twice a year over the next six years, but overall I think it worked out well for the Packers on their end. Yep, and we'll get to see uh, Khalil Mack against the Packers in Week 1. The Packers play the Bears on Sunday night. But in other news for the Packers, we had cutdowns this week. So if you didn't know, the NFL changed the roster setup a couple years back. In the past, they used to go from 90 players to 75, and then they would cut down to 53. With the new rules, they go straight from 90 to 53, and that cutdown was on Saturday. So the Packers had to cut roughly 37 players. I don't know if they were at the full 90 as of cutdown day. And there was a couple of big surprises, but the biggest was how many pass catchers they kept. They cut both of their fullbacks from last year and kept eight wide receivers and four tight ends initially before eventually moving Jake Kumaro over to IR. Yeah, I'm going to be a little upset. I'm not going to be able to start the Ripkowski chance anymore, um, but I think you look at the talent of the wide receivers we brought in in the draft. They thought highly enough of eight of them to keep. Again, like you said, Kumaro going to the IR, but seven on that active 53-man roster, including my boy Equinamia St. Brown. So glad to see he made the roster. Was definitely surprised to see him make it. But again, I think this shows how invested we are in the passing game this next year, keeping that many wide receivers and also four tight ends. And I think it just shows the faith too in the running backs that we have, only keeping three, keeping Jamal Williams, Ty Montgomery, and Darius Jackson. Obviously a lot of faith in those three, not keeping a fourth one. And Darius Jackson will probably hit the curb in short order once Aaron Jones returns from suspension. 
The other part that is interesting, the Packers use H-backs a lot, so it's a way to think of it as a tight end kind of plan as a fullback. So you might see Mercedes Lewis, Lance Kendricks, Robert Tanya in their fourth tight end, hanging out in the backfield playing like they would have played a fullback in the past, but those guys are a little bit more versatile, so that might be why we saw them keep four instead of any fullbacks. Yeah, and I think the things that Ripkowski did well, I think you can see Robert Tanyan doing the same thing. And But again, like you said, he brings so many other elements to the game and his pass-catching pass ability and his blocking ability off the line of scrimmage. So I think that's definitely a good keep on their part. So Packers, Bears, at Lambeau Sunday night. What's your score prediction? I can't imagine seeing the Packers scoring less than 30 points. Khalil Mack will be beneficial to the Bears, but not coming in with any training camp with them. I'm not sure how much of an impact he'll make. So I got 34-17. I think that as long as Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari are healthy, which they will be for the first game, they should be able to handle the Bears' pass rush of Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack fairly well. The Bears' defense is their strength. I think the Packers' defense is going to have a pretty good showing. I'm going to say 28-14 Packers. I like that, but I, I like that you talk about the offensive line as well. They did not keep many offensive linemen. That's always been an issue in the past, but I think if we are healthy with our top five, we'll be good. Right now, Byron Bell is listed as the number two backup for right guard and right tackle, while Lucas Patrick is the backup for left guard and center. So not a lot of bodies, but some really high quality up front. So I like that pick by you. And next thing in Wisconsin sports, we have the Brewers, who are currently in a three-game series with the Cubs. Now, as of our recording, they are, they've won the first two. They've got one more coming up today, but by the time this comes out, they probably will have already played it. But fortunate for us, they lit the Cubs up last night with the final score of 11-1. to yeah, and you know the last couple of weeks they've been at that five and five, four and six in their last ten. Right now they're sitting at seven and three, and like we said, won two straight against the Chicago Cubs, hoping to get the clean sweep tonight. One and a half games up for that first wild card spot, and only three games back of Chicago to win the division. So they're looking good. I mean, everyone's kind of holding their breath right now in Milwaukee, but if you can play that well against the Cubs, there's no reason to think that we can't play that well against everyone else down the stretch. And they really needed a sweep to get back into the standings for the Central Division, so it helps them gain three games on the Cubs. If they pull off the sweep, they'll only end up gaining one if they end up losing today. But they do have a chance to pull off the division, and they're sitting fairly well in the wild card, and they're starting to get, get their swings back. Now we're going to move on to our Wisconsin Badgers, who crushed Western Kentucky in the first game. However, they didn't cover the spread. They were 37-point favorites. They only won by 31, winning uh, with a final score of 34-3. The main takeaway from the game is Jonathan Taylor looks like the Heisman candidate he was put up to be in the offseason. He had only 18 carries, but he totaled 145 yards and two touchdowns, and he busted off a 47-yard touchdown run in the first half which is what all of us wanted to see. Yeah, again, I think I mentioned it last week that we wanted to see a very strong first half, maybe a little bit in the third quarter, and then kind of getting to relax in the fourth. And I think that's what they did, only giving him 18 carries. In the bigger games this year, I'm sure we'll see Jonathan Taylor reaching more of a 30-carry mark, high 20s. So, again, not too taxing of a first game, but 145 yards and two touchdowns is everything you could expect from him. They are going up this next week against New Mexico. Again, not a great strength of schedule outside of conference they did drop to number five in the poll out of number four but as we said it doesn't matter where the rankings are now as long as they finish undefeated with the big 10 title in the end they will find themselves in that NCAA playoff yeah the defense was sweltering again this past week and just like they were last year they had some new faces in there Nelson their new safety looked spectacular looked like a ball hawk so they should be up there for best defense in the nation once again like they were last year 
So for all of you out there that aren't just Wisconsin Badger fans, it was a great week for college football. Michigan falling to Notre Dame at Notre Dame in a really tight game. Virginia Tech with a great win over Florida State and Auburn winning that uh, neutral site game over Washington. Washington falls to ninth in the nation while Auburn kind of flip-flops them to seventh. The biggest change though overall in the rankings is LSU jumping all the way up to 11 from 25 uh, after their big win over Miami. So big jump for them trying to prove themselves in that tough SEC and Notre Dame jumps up to eighth as well. So a lot of movement and a lot of great games coming up this next week. Could we jump into the debate portion of today's show? So last last week we debated whether or not we wanted the Packers to trade for Khalil Mack. Clay won that handily. I want to say it was 93% to 7%. Yeah, and I think, again, I know you talked about it in the debate. It wasn't whether we wanted Khalil Mack. I think every team wants Khalil Mack. Um, but the argument was, was it worth it to give up what we would get in return? And I think... I still think it would have been worth it, but I think Hunter did bring up a good point that it might not have been worth it, even though we would obviously love to have him. Yeah, and I think we'll see, obviously, how it turned out, but no player who's ever been traded for two first-round picks has been worth it in hindsight. So we always look back on those trades and we say whatever team got the picks got the better end of the deal. So long-term, we'll see how it turns out. It could be different for Khalil Mack, but history's not on the Bears' side with that trade. For our debate portion today, we're going to be talking about what defensive player do you want if you can have any player in the league, not necessarily on the Packers defense, but you're starting a defense from scratch, you get one player, who are you taking? Clay? Well, and that's, you know, that's going off of the big two contract signings of what defenses are looking for right now. Donald and Khalil Mack, both, you know, front seven guys, edge blitzers, defensive line type guys. I would go a completely different direction. I think having a guy that's a shutdown corner completely changes the game. It cuts the field in half. You can put him on an island and trust him. In his prime, I would have definitely taken Patrick Peterson. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. But again, if we're going off of starting tomorrow, what team, what guy do I take? I got to take Jalen Ramsey. You know, he's only 23 years old. He's the number three ranked corner in the entire NFL. Tied for the most pass breakups last year with 35 and uh, between him and A.J. Boye. And so I think you've seen what that Jacksonville defense has been able to do turning around with a guy like that. And I love the swagger he brings. He's been in the media a little bit lately. And I just, he'd be a guy I'd love to build defense around. If you haven't seen, Jalen Ramsey has come out with a series of comments blasting quarterbacks and players across the NFL. I think his goal is to agitate people into throwing the ball at him, but uh, it has been kind of funny to watch. He's definitely a player who likes to instigate and get in people's heads. I think I would go a little bit different route. While I don't love the new contract that Aaron Donald has, and I'm skeptical about having the highest paid defensive player at any time, given the new rules that are really in favor of the offense, Aaron Donald would be my guy. He totally changes the game as a defensive tackle in both the run and the pass game. And you don't have to worry about the quarterback you know, not throwing the ball at him if you're a shutdown corner. If you are a defensive lineman and you can get to the quarterback, especially from the middle of the line as opposed to the outside, like a pass rusher of uh, Khalil Mack or Clay Matthews variety, Aaron Donald has 39 sacks as an interior defensive lineman, which is staggering. Now the Rams added some talent around him, so he might not get double teamed as often. I think he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year again. So I think his overall impact being able to rush the passer, stop the run, throw quarterbacks off their game is hard to duplicate from any other position. 
Yeah, and having a guy on the interior like that, like you said, not only does that disrupt the run game, but look at how many sacks he's had. That's just insane. So I think that's, he's like I said, he's worth every penny that the Rams are paying him. And with bringing in a guy like Ndamukong Sue and some of that other help, he will be a game changer on that defense. Again, just in a pass-heavy NFL that it is now, I think having a young corner that can completely cut a field in half where you don't have to have safety support over the him the entire time can kind of open up the rest of your game and you know that if you put your number one corner on a number one wide receiver he's going to take care of that the whole time so that's why I take Jalen Ramsey I think it just completely helps you simplify your the rest of your defense outside of that one position and makes you hopefully not have to worry about that one uh, wide receiver I know Champ Bailey back in the day when he was the guy there was a year for the Redskins I think he was only thrown at like four times the whole season so having a guy that can completely take away a player is just unbelievable and I know that's a skewed stack that was only a one-time thing but uh, I think having just a star corner can really change a team I'm gonna stick with Aaron Donald in my pass rush but let us know what you think we'll have the poll posted on our Twitter page again that's at the good fight pod Follow us on there, and you can check out our polls every week. But we're going to close today's segment with this week's Good Fight. What do we got? So Tim Tebow just came out on August 15th, a couple weeks ago, talking about a new movie that he's released called Run the Race with his brother. Kind of a cool story. Everybody knows Tim Tebow and his faith journey. He's been so big in his life and very upfront about his uh, devout religion and faith in Christ all the way from his Florida days through his NFL career, now his minor league baseball career. Kind of cool to see him go through this new path. One of the things I really respect and love about Tim Tebow is uh, he gets criticized a lot for trying to do too many things. And, you know, he's a baseball player. He's a football player. He's a talk show host. He's an author. But, you know, if you're passionate and you do something with your whole heart, why not be able to do all of it? So Run the Race follows two fictional high school football players whose father abandons them and mother dies and talks kind of about their struggle one brother goes through a devastating injury the other one joins track and tries to salvage what future he has in athletics and it just talks about running the race and instead of running away from your faith running towards god and running towards your love of god and i think it's something that hits close to home for tebow and his brother who both are very devout in their faith and kind of gives an idea of what their life might have been growing up as the faith background obviously uh, tim tebow very fortunate to have a great family background but I think the movie's just going to be a great opportunity for the faith and sports aspects to be combined. I know it's happened a lot of times over the years with some stories and movies that have come out, but uh, that's really the essence of what we're trying to do on this podcast and talk about how faith and sports go hand in hand. And hopefully this movie is a good adaptation of what we try to bring each week on this podcast. Now, Tim Tebow gets a lot of flack. He hasn't been the greatest professional athlete of all time. He's been a minor league baseball player for the past couple of years. And in the NFL, he got a couple starts, but he never was able to burst onto the scene and become a perennial starter or a pro bowler or anything like that. But he is one of the greatest college football players of all time, regardless of faith or anything like that. And he's been a great example of having his faith lead him in everything that he does and putting his faith above all else. So regardless of some of the criticism he gets, he's never had any controversies, any scandals, and he's just always fought the good fight. So props to him. I'm excited to watch the movie when it comes out. Yeah, and I was one of those guys who was the biggest Tim Tebow fan in college ever. Um, Like you said, you can't take away what he did in college. His throwing motion and his ability didn't translate great to the NFL, but he is still a 500 quarterback with a playoff win. Uh, I think sometimes he gets a bad rap overall but yeah he definitely didn't add up to the nfl game but still cool to see him following his dreams and keeping that positive faith-based attitude 
That's all we've got for you guys this week. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, run the race, keep the faith, and until next time, fight the good fight.